It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are officially back in a Brexit-free zone this morning as Prime Minister Theresa May continues winning hearts and minds over in Northern Ireland uh, with limited success, it has to be said. The best she can apparently hope for now is that the deal to leave the European Union is kicked into an eight-week delay and we don't end up actually leaving until May itself, ironically. Uh, this morning we once again have bigger fish to fry. Specifically, I'm talking uh, some more. To, I'm taking some more do-gooders to task this morning. There are already howls of protest emanating from certain quarters about a flight that is leaving London for Jamaica today which is carrying around 50 people who have been earmarked for deportation. Apparently we don't know exactly how many. Some have been given a stay uh, and are allowed to keep uh, living in this country. Uh, But basically Home Secretary Sajid Javid is in the line of fire because he's daring to deport people back to their country of origin so close to the Windrush scandal of one year ago, which everybody almost uh, universally agrees was an absolute shambles and a disgrace. But for once the government, I think, are actually in the right Right here, they're deporting criminals, people who have lost their right to remain in this country and who are, quite frankly, undesirables. I will this morning salute what the Home Office is doing. It makes perfect sense. You may think I've gone completely mad, in which case you can, of course, call me 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be asking whether it's true uh, that young people are now drinking less than their parents. And we'll be asking whether Camilla Parker Bowles is right to dislike Cuban food, uh, as she has told somebody uh, just in the last 24 hours or so. 0344 499 1000. There's loads more going on, of course. Uh, We'll be talking about the toxic work culture at Amnesty International as well. But, of course, we want to hear from you, because this is where you get to tab your say. Uh, It is the people's voice. Never mind the people's vote. This is Talk Radio 0344 499 1000. It is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, everybody remembers about a year or so ago, um, maybe slightly less, the Windrush scandal came into our uh, our sites for the first time. Amber Rudd, the Home Secretary, was forced to resign her position because she got some information wrong. Uh, She was badly advised. She talked about things that turned out not to be true. And in fact, it became very, very clear that the government had made a complete uh, pig's breakfast, dog's breakfast, pig's ear, whatever you want to say, uh, about the deportation of people who should have had every single right that they have to live in this country uh, for the rest of their lives. It was clear that many people suffered very, very badly. It was clear uh, that there were some terrible decisions made by the Home Office, and it was very clear as well uh, that they were not particularly good at cleaning up the mess afterwards. However, what we are dealing with today, in my view, is something completely different. And we're going to talk now to Karen Doyle from Movement for Justice by Any Means Necessary, which is a non-profit organisation fighting uh, to build uh, what they regard as a new Britain. Uh, Very good morning to you, Karen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks very much for talking to us. How is this uh, in any way comparable to Windrush, please? Could you explain that to me? I've been talking to 26 people who are at risk of removal on the flight today. Of those 26 people, 18 have a connection to the Windrush generation. For example, one young man, he, his um, grandmother who worked in the care sector her, sector her whole life, came over as part of the Windrush generation um, managed to save up enough money to bring him here when he was four years old, and then a few years later brought her daughter here, her only child and her only grandchild. And she worked her whole life to do that. And her son went through the school system here 
primary, secondary, college. He was off this country in 2013. His nan died and he grieved and he went in. He got into some trouble. His first conviction, his first offence. And what did he, he do? He's, he's now um, facing deportation. He got into a fight. Right. He got into a fight. And he was now, in jail. And, here, and, here, and here's, yes, he, he served his sentence. He served his sentence and he came out and he went through restorative justice programs and, and probation. Um, another another man... Um, well, it must have been quite well, a serious he, fight, though, mustn't it, if he got sent to prison for it? No, no. So well, you, what, was he, charged, many, what was he charged many, with? How many, people, how many people in your life do you know that have drunken fights? Hardly anyone. Well, I don't know anyone that's ever gone to jail. I don't know where you're living. Well, I don't know anyone that's ever gone to jail for getting into what you call a drunken fight. Well, that's a really interesting question because the the Lamy Review found that um, there's a massive disproportionality in um, how black people are treated in the criminal justice system. Well, you're arguing very many different things here, Karen. Larger larger than in the U.S. Yeah, but you're, you're arguing, arguing many different things, things here, Karen. My these, question these to you... People, excuse me, Karen, can you people. let me speak, please? My my original question to you is how is this in any way related to Windrush? It's not related to Windrush. These are people these who, are have been, who have been it found... Excuse me. No, these are people who have been found guilty of a crime, right? And having been invited to become British citizens, they knew that if they committed a crime, that British citizenship would be put at risk. And that is why they're being deported, surely. These are people who... These are people who any ordinary British person, anyone across the country, sat down and had a cup of coffee with, wouldn't recognise the term national British, national, a foreign national offender. These are people who've been here since they were children. These are people who are products of this system, whose entire families are here. These are people who, 32 out of the 26 people I've been speaking to, 32 British children are having their fathers taken away from them. Well, their now fathers are criminals. Wrong. I mean, you are, might argue that they, their fathers have been taken away from them when okay. they get put in prison. Okay, so you want to live in a world where criminals go through um, the criminal justice system. They do their time. They do their tariff. And if you've got an immigration offence, you generally do longer than anyone else. Um, but there's no notion of rehabilitation. There's no notion that people can change. Or is that only for black people, you think that? It's got nothing to do with the colour of their skin, Karen. You're the one that brings oh, that up, not me. Absolutely well, not. No. no. Here's the, here's the, here's my. Well, would you like are, me? Well, would you like me to answer your question? Of, there are, no, no, you're going to let me finish. There's plenty. Oh, I'm going to let you people. finish. You just asked white, me a question. There's, there's plenty of white British people out here who've committed exactly the same crimes as those people who happen to have the right paperwork, uh, who, who've committed more and worse crimes than those people. Yeah, exactly. But we've got just, plenty of we've got plenty of ho- we've got plenty of homegrown criminals, Karen. We've got plenty of people that were born here who are disgusting and disgraceful people who I'd quite like to deport as well, but unfortunately, we can't deport them anywhere because they're not from anywhere else. However, how- if you want to come to this country and you want to live here and you then commit a crime, I think the country is in within its rights to deport you. It's as simple as that. If there is any notion of rehabilitation and justice, then there has to be a notion that someone serves their time and they have to be given an opportunity to change. If somebody comes here from Romania, right, if somebody comes here from Romania and commits a crime, we are within our rights to deport them back to Romania after they've served their time. I don't see what the difference is. These are young people who are products of our schooling system. They're that doesn't matter. Of Britain. They are as British as the next person. They just don't have the right piece of paper to prove it. It's got nothing to do with the right piece and of that, paper. That's a matter of natural justice. That's a matter of real So you're telling me that you're telling me you're telling me Karen that all of these people who are currently being deported have got uh, no paperwork because they came here under Windrush. That's not true. Simply not true. No, I, did, I, I actually didn't tell you that. Well, you just told me these people don't have the right paperwork. That's why they're being deported. And that is well, not I, correct. I, I, no, 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 no. Wait. That you're, you're saying something that I did not you say. You just said it. I, I, okay. What I was saying, they don't have the right piece of paper. What that means... What does that mean? They have, inde- they have indefinite leave to remain. They, their families, working-class British families... Do you know how much it costs to naturalise in this country? Couldn't afford to get the British passport, all right? These are people who were here legally, who were brought here as children. These That's are right. people who... Absolutely. And, these, and, and regardless, regardless... But they broke the law, honest, Karen. They, but they served their time. That doesn't matter. You, do you know in Jamaica, in Jamaica since 2000, 200 returnees from America and Britain have been murdered? 
their particular targets. And if you have a well, British it's quite a dangerous and country. Return, it's quite dangerous here now as well. So, so, so you're you're saying that someone for a driving offence, because that's what one of them was, a driving offence. You're saying that what's they a driving offence exactly? They, you're saying that they what, what should driving be offense sentenced you're talking to about? a possible death sentence. Sorry, Karen. What driving offence? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't have it in front you of don't me know. to tell you the exact details. Well, you can't tell me something is true and then say you don't know the details. That's not a valid argument. So we can strike that one from the record, shall we? <laughs> OK. Yeah, you can strike that one from the record. But this is true. You, this, you're this arguing is all, your argument is all over the place, Karen. The point is, these people knew under the circumstances which they were given the right to remain here that if they broke the law, they would run the risk of being deported. That has now happened and that's why they're being deported. It's as simple as that. I spent 40 minutes on the phone last night to a young man who's been here since he was three, who is cutting up his wrist in the detention centre because he was terrified of being sent back to a country where he has never, he's never even stepped foot in since he was three years old. And his family, entire family is here. I spoke to his mum and his sister who said they have no one in Jamaica who can meet him. He's diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And he was taken and put on that plane. And what crime now, did he you, commit? If you, if you, if and you what crime did he it's, commit? It's, it's honestly, it's irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. You, no, it isn't. It's absolutely irrelevant. Absolutely what? So it's irrelevant. okay for him if to commit any crime, and 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 then we should just welcome him back in. This should government we? is supporting British residents, people we went to school with, people who we live next to, Criminals. people who we work with. Criminals. No, our families and our friends. And if justice is to mean anything, it means that people need to be given a second chance. What about chance. the victims, Karen? What about the people who were victims of these criminals, right? How are they supposed to think? These people have served their time. What about they their victims? Have they, are their they still time. serving the time and the damage that was caused by the attack that was made upon them? I, if the, that's a problem for the criminal justice system. Really? And if the criminal justice system is meant to mean anything... People should serve their time and have a chance to change and move forward right. with their lives. Tell me and something, the, and Karen. The, and the Tell me something, Karen. Have you ever have you ever campaigned? Have you ever campaigned on behalf of any other group of people who get sent back to places where they have come from because they've committed crimes in this country? Um, I, I, well, I, I don't understand the question. Well, I, the question is: Have about. you ever have you have you ever campaigned on behalf? We we deport a lot of people from this country. I had somebody on here uh, from a, an immigration group some weeks ago who told me that something like forty five thousand people have been deported as criminals from this country because quite often the government gets accused of not doing enough to get rid of undesirable people who have come here from other countries and committed crime. We have deported around about 45,000 people from other, uh, to, to other countries, their countries of origin. Why have you not campaigned on their behalf? Actually, for, for years we've been campaigning against the charter flights because they are an absolutely um, unjust tool. Most of these people were detained just a week ago and they're given five days to find legal advice while in detention to try and get their cases heard and get something done with computer systems that don't work and a, and a legal aid system that is broken and not enough solicitors to go around. So charter flights are, are fundamentally unjust. Twain Morgan, the, the, the ex-British soldier, um, he got a last. He got an injunction yesterday. They still brought him all the way to the airport. This ex-serving British soldier with PTSD. He was brought all the way to the airport. The lawyers had to be on the phone to find a judge who would get him off that plane in the early hours. There's one other ex-British. He was found guilty of assault, I think, soldier. wasn't he? He was sent to jail so, for assault, wasn't he? Because he because he suffered from PTSD serving. Well, this what country. about the person that one he beat other, up? One other British, what, what about the person he beat soldier. up, Karen? One other British soldier I haven't heard from. I don't know where he is now. So, 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 if so you, think so, that's so, a okay, guy. I feel really sorry for well, you. Well, it's not a question of whether I it's think okay. You must live a really I... sad and isolated life. Uh, I don't actually lead a sad and isolated life at all. I lead a very good life, thank you very much, and I believe in the rule of law, and I don't believe in allowing people uh, who might be dangerous in the community uh, being allowed to remain in it. And if it means that you rule have to deport of people the outside of, of this law, country because that's where the they belong, then that's where they in go. Britain, in the rule of law in Britain says that if you've done your time, you should be treated with equality and respect and given the opportunity to change. Unless that you're a foreign national. Unless, unless you are a foreign national, which they <laughs> yes. are. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you speak to some. You speak to you. It's one rule for some and one rule for everyone else. No, it's not. It's not. That's wrong, Karen. There's one rule for some of those people. No, Karen. You, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. They are foreign national offenders. What? Because they because they speak. Well, the law may be wrong, Karen. The the law may be wrong in your eyes, but the law is the law, and there's no point in having a law if you don't abide by it. And if you want to break that law, then I'm sorry, you should lose some of your rights. I don't think there's a problem with that, and I think most. Most thinking people and most right-thinking people you're, you're, would agree. You're, 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 it's not just losing some of your rights, though, is it? This isn't putting a tag on someone. This, this is a life sentence for people. Well, who they have should committed. have thought of that before they committed their crime. Surely. Oh, oh, so okay, so so kind of every person who has indefinitely to remain, who hasn't been able to afford to naturalise, they should spend their whole life um, terrified uh, of being. No, by the they should. No, they especially should. No, they should spend their lives obeying the law, Karen. Especially, especially given the amount of black people who are disproportionately stopped and searched by the police, their cars stopped. This, this is one law for one and one law rubbish. for others, absolute and it's unjust. Rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. Karen, I'm sorry. Racist. I've had enough, Karen. Thank you very much indeed uh, for coming on this show and telling us all how deluded you are, uh, as all of the Twitter traffic I'm getting is saying. You have no idea what you're talking about. You don't have enough facts at your disposal. Quite frankly, it's an embarrassment. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, this is Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 I'd love to hear your opinion of that conversation I just had uh, with uh, Karen from the non-profit organisation uh, Justice By Any Means Necessary. I think that tells you all you need to know because that doesn't sound to me uh, like a passive organisation. Let's go to the phone straight away. Daniel is in Epsom. Hello, Daniel. Morning, Mike. How are you doing, my old mucker? Very well indeed, sir. I'm trying to get through my sad and isolated life, but otherwise I'm fine. Yeah, what an insult. I mean, the thing is, from, from my point of view, I think it's a privilege to live in this country. Yeah, absolutely. It really is a privilege. And so much so that we're being invaded every day via our uh, ports and airports by people desperate to get in. Loads of people um, want to live here, but I mean, if you want to live here, that's fine with me, but you've got to abide, abide by the law, I'm afraid. Yeah, so if you break the law and you are a foreign national, you must go home. Those are the rules. Yeah. And, uh, listen, we can't... Women like that lady that was on before... So we do deport quite a lot of people from this country, Daniel, because often the government is accused of not doing that uh, and being a soft touch. But actually, you know, we've deported tens of thousands of people in recent years, and I'm all in favour of that. But I don't see anybody campaigning on their behalf all of a sudden to keep them here. No, it's true. But the thing is, I've got families working in the Home Office, and because of the sheer volumes of demand, you could triple their workforce and they'd still struggle because just imagine what it's like every day People getting through the border, trying to send them home, yeah. losing their papers on purpose. It, honestly, you could quadruple their workforce. People say, what's wrong with the Home Office? It's a terrible department. But in 1977, when one of my relatives started that, it was you know it was a really easy job. It wasn't much to do. Yeah. Fast forward now, it's like chaos out there. But, oh, know, it is. Absolutely. And listen, let's not pretend, yeah. Daniel, that the Home Office are perfect because they're not and they've made lots of mistakes. I'm going to let you go, though, because your line is awful. Uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, so I'm going to deport you out of the Independent Republic of Mike Graham for the moment and talk to Paddy, uh, who's in Suffolk. Hello, Paddy. Yeah, hello, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I bet you if we checked on these 50 people, mm. none of them would be being deported because they didn't pay the TV licence. Uh, no. Um, they've all been in prison. Yes, probably very, very serious things. Well, I mean, we had a conversation, Karen and I, about this guy uh, who was done for assault, right? Now, she asked me, how many people do you know that get involved in drunken fights? Now, first of all, I don't hang around with people who get involved in drunken fights, but what I can tell you is if you get involved in a drunken fight in a pub, you've got to be pretty ba- pretty, in pretty bad shape to go to prison for it. Yes, and I bet you, without even checking, a lot of these people would have been done for possibly knife crime. Well, you don't know that. Yes, but I'm just guessing. Well, you can't guess. It's not what we do here, Paddy. We don't guess. Well, well, the the other thing that your guest said was that these people are stopped and searched disproportionately. Yeah. Well, that's because they disproportionately uh, um, commit a lot more crime. It's a fact. 
Well, the point as well is, right, that you don't get stopped and searched and then you end up in prison. It just doesn't really happen unless there's, for some reason, something uh, very dangerous and or illegal on your person. Exactly. You know? uh, and then she had this... She tried to make this tenuous connection with the Windrush generation. Mm. One of the people was somehow related. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Well, she kept moving the goalposts on that front. She kept saying that there was all kinds of reasons why these people were being badly treated and hard done by. None of which, as far as I'm concerned, is valid. You know, they know the rules. If you come here and you you are given uh, leave to remain, that's leave to remain providing you obey the law. If you break the law, you don't have leave to remain anymore. And if, if these 50 people are removed, that will make Britain that little bit safer. And the other thing we should do is we shouldn't let in any of the so-called returning jihadists. Right. Um, my personal opinion, just my opinion, uh, I think one of the, the government ministers agree with me, they should be killed where they are right now. Well, certainly ministers have said that. Uh, I certainly don't think there's any reason for them to come back here because they're not going to lead particularly useful lives. I don't particularly want to spend money locking them up for the rest of time. I, I don't know what we do with those people because it's a disgrace what they got involved in. But listen, Paddy, thank you very much indeed. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. Claudio says this. She had no clear facts. I'm a Portuguese citizen. If I commit a crime, I expect to be deported. End of it. Respect the country and the law and... Uh, and you are welcome. And uh, Graham from Bushy says, so if a non-Jamaican national commits a crime in Jamaica, then they shouldn't be deported back to their home country. Is that the way uh, it goes? Well, it's a very interesting point. If you go to another country and commit a crime, chances are you serve your time and then you get deported. You don't get to stay there. They don't want criminals. We've got enough homegrown criminals, as I said earlier. Many disgusting, disgraceful people who I'd rather were locked up for the rest of time. However, we don't need to import any. Thanks very much indeed. Whether we import them as children or not is hardly the point. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Calling the Daily Mail. Uh, Britain is sobering up. Now, unfortunately for the Daily Mail, they then reveal uh, that alcohol-related hospital admissions have risen 15% to 338,000, that uh, girls aged 11 to 15 are getting drunk more often than boys of the same age, and heavy drinkers aged 55 to 64 are the most likely to need treatment because they don't adhere to any alcohol guidelines. Now, that doesn't sound to me like we're sobering up. Mark Dolan is here. Uh, He's a man that knows a thing or two about drinking. Mark, a very good uh, morning to you. Well, I do, actually. I mean, full disclosure, Mike, uh, I'm the son of a pub landlord. <laughs> there you go. Well, so, I was thinking you would be the perfect person to talk about this because you do stand-up comedy. You appear at various venues. Yeah. You go and do various yeah. after-dinner speaking and things like that. I mean, I don't get yeah. the sense at all that Britain is sobering up. Do you? No, um, I don't think so. Certainly uh, when people go out to watch comedy or to be, uh, you know, any kind of performance, live performance, mm. the interval is always, you know, the big focus on people's minds, you know, and having a, having a drink and they associate that with, with especially comedy, you know, live comedy. Sure. You have a couple of pints and you have a good laugh, right. you know. Um, 
And I think, uh, yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of contradiction in, in this data. I mean, what you can't get away from is that alcohol is, I mean, below caffeine, it's the world's most popular stimulant. Yes. You know, and my view is that we would not exist as a species, if alcohol was that bad, you know, I mean, well, a lot of people wouldn't exist yeah. at all if it hadn't been for uh, people having a drink beforehand. Well, that's exactly right. The old beer goggles. Yes. Exactly. I mean, I have my two sons to prove that beer goggles <laughs> definitely exist. Well, that's very harsh on your, way, uh, on your on the mother of your children. But uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's not a nice thing yeah, to say she, at all. He was wearing them. Oh, I see. Sorry, I thought you were wearing them. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. She's held up very well over the years. Very unlike good. myself. But, no, very but good. No, I mean. Look, look, think about it, Mike. I mean, alcohol, it's so fundamental. What is alcohol? It's a rotting fermented fruit. Yes. Okay. And right. I've done a little bit of research on this, okay, for, mm. you know, for the show. Good. Um, we're looking at, if you want to look at the human element, if we go back 10 million years to the point where there's evidence our livers were adapted to uh, process alcohol, and that's because of picking up a rotten apple and not for it, for it not to kill us. Mm. If you go back to primates, you're looking at 80 million years. I mean, am I getting my point across here? Wine dates back to 6,000 BC. Yes. Um, the Chinese invented a drink, which I think Weatherspoons should do. Uh, it's called, it's a fermented drink of grapes, berries, honey, and rice. Okay. So look, let's just cool our boots here. Um, I don't think there's a crisis with our alcohol consumption. Um, I think what's where some of the stats have come from in terms of young people and alcohol is that there's less of a focus on alcohol as, as as that's what you do when you have a good time. You and I probably, when we were teenagers, you know, it was getting into the pub and trying to convince the landlord mm. to serve you and, and, you know. But now you've got uh, gaming, which is, a you know, a massive new drug that we didn't have access to. No. Um, they have got the most amazing smartphones, this technology in their hands, in the palm of their hand. Um, and also there's other there's other um, stimulants out there. So a lot. Well, of I was going to ask you about that. I mean, do you think that also there may be more people taking more drugs? I mean, I know that there was a uh, there used to be a club not very far from Talksport Towers, Talk Radio Towers here, uh, which would open at sort of midnight on a Saturday night and was still open at ten o'clock the next morning. And they didn't have a, a bar license; they only sold water because basically everybody who was going in there was on ecstasy, and nobody was drinking. Well, yeah. Definitely. And I mean, cocaine is a is a massive one that's exploded. And yeah. funny enough, as a comedian, um, I, I, you know, I've, I've been working for two decades with drunk people and I feel like I'm just I'm built for it. Mm. Um, and, and I quite enjoy the banter when when someone's a bit drunk and decided to heckle because you can normally take them down quite easily. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, they're not thinking straight. The mental agility is not great. They'll mm. normally land a good line, but you ask them for a follow-up and yes. it's game over. Right. So, however, um, I have noticed, and we've all noticed in the, in the comedy community, that there's a, a lot of punters are going out and, and young people, and they're doing a couple of lines of cocaine or God knows what else. Um, and actually, what those people do is, first of all, they disturb the show because they're in and out of the toilets every 10 minutes. Yeah, right. Uh, and they just chat incessantly and they are impervious to any heckle put down right um so so i think actually there is a con and of course we are concerned aren't we about drug driving and people people high on something or absolutely other, um, and they're less detectable and i think there's a lot more of that time. going on than we know to be honest yeah so in a way i think that drugs is maybe this invisible new threat and whilst i've launched i hope you'll agree a staunch defense of alcohol as a thing for most people yes um that i've got the zero defense of of other drugs, and I think we are going down the wrong route. If people think it's healthier to pop an E or mm. do a line, then have a pint. Yes, exactly right. You do often hear from some of the cannabis kind of campaigners that, of course, alcohol oh. does far more damage than cannabis ever will, and that's why that should be legalised. Uh, and if alcohol was invented now, it would not be made into a legal drug, if you like. Well, yeah, there's colossal evidence about the link between uh, marijuana and, and mental health and depression and yeah. psychosis. And God knows what else, especially, uh, and I, I'm, we are aging ourselves, aren't we, Mike? But uh, back in the day when we were at college, um, the, the, the marijuana that might have been going around was, was very closely related to the plant. And now, of course, it's a chemical construct, yeah. five times stronger. Um, so, yeah, I do think, I think, I mean, look, if, if young people... Are, we, we, it's not a bad news story if young people are drinking less, is it? It's not like we're begging them no. to get drunk every night. Um, and in some ways, I'm just not sure it's true. Right. I mean, I, what I think is that the, you know, I, I, my dad was a pub landlord, and back in the day, in the 80s, 
people alcohol was a daily thing and in fact it was it was even during the day so a lot of people mm. that had jobs would pop into the pub for a couple of pints at lunchtime and uh, uh you know a crusty roll and yeah. that was just like normal right um we don't do that anymore and i wonder whether you know as we as that has come away from our culture the next generation have picked up on that and so i wonder whether they do go out yeah they probably do get drunk i mean a lot of young people will preload on booze mm. before they go out leave the house won't yeah. they um, but I wonder whether what's happening is that it's more of an occasion thing and that our generation, for whom alcohol is just a daily part of life, I wonder whether that's the change. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there might be a binge uh, factor to it as well. Mark, thank you very much indeed. Mark Dolan, a comedian, a man with great experience of alcohol. I had no idea uh, that he was the son of a pub landlord, uh, but also because of his career in comedy and going into comedy clubs, he knows an awful lot about the uh, way people behave. I don't see any sign, in my view, uh, that alcohol consumption is going down amongst young people. I just don't see it. Well, somebody told me you had a boy This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. You can text us to 87222. Uh, just start your message with the word talk and that will cost you 25p plus your normal network rate. You can tweet us, of course, at talk radio uh, and at IROMG. We got some great tweets. We got some lovely tweets earlier on uh, in support of me and not in support of Karen, uh, our guest on the uh, deportation story. But uh, I didn't get around to reading all of them out. So thank you to everyone uh, who sent them in. Very supportive uh, and uh, telling me uh, that I was absolutely taking her to the cleaners, which is what I did. Now, something else that's being taken to the cleaners today, uh, which is something I'd rather not think too hard about, uh, is a massive fatberg uh, down in Sidmouth in the West Country. Now, um, fatberg is a word that I've never really heard of until a few years ago. It's one of those words, if somebody had said to you 20 years ago, what's a fatberg? You'd have gone, I've no idea. It's obviously a play on words. It's not an iceberg. Uh, it is a berg, like an iceberg, but made of fat and congealed ghastliness which tends to uh, sort of lurk in the sewers of various cities. There's certainly one uh, huge one underneath the uh, the centre of London, probably several. Uh, this one is underneath Sidmouth, um, and it was discovered in December to be blocking one of the main sewers down there. So Southwest Water uh, has removed a chunk of it already, and they've taken 3D scans of it. Now, the problem with this thing is that it's just so disgusting that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to talk about it for 10 minutes without feeling quite unwell. Let's talk to Andrew Rowntree, who's Director of Waste Water Services at Southwest Water. Uh, and unfortunately for him, I think he's tasked with trying to sort this whole thing out. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Now, listen, um, I, I, every time I think of this thing, it makes me feel a bit sort of queasy, to be honest. So uh, despite the fact that I'm going to ask you to describe it, I'm going to ask you to try and remember that people may be still eating their late breakfast. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, in your description, yes, it probably is a, a, a new word in the vocabulary, mm. this uh, fatberg thing. And it, it has become more prevalent over the course of the last few years, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it's created by things that uh, we as a water company would say shouldn't end up down the sewerage system. Is that the problem? So, is, it, is it because of things like wet wipes and sort of sanitary products that, that these things are, are forming themselves into, into these big sort of colossal lumps of stuff? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And so uh, the uh, wet wipes and other plastics that get flushed down the toilet, they become the, the sort of matrix of the fatberg and fats and oils and mm. greases that get washed down the kitchen sink. Right. Uh, that becomes the glue, which effectively sticks all this oh, stuff together. Right. Uh, and so that's what we've tended to find, and it's become more of an issue over the course of the last few years. Right. Now, it's described as being 210 feet uh, or 64 metres um, in size, but is that is that the measurement of its length or its, its, uh, its, its, its diameter or what? No, that's uh, that's roughly the measurement of its of its length. Okay. Um, uh, so the, the the sewer area that it's in consists of three fairly large vaulted brick old uh, chambers, right. and it is uh, partially filling each one of the three uh, vaults. So is, is it, it a kind of is it an old Victorian sewer by the sounds of it? Yeah, it, it, it's of that origin. Mm. Yes, uh, and um, it's. 
historically it was used as a storage tank. Right. Uh, it's not used for that purpose anymore because we pump all the flows to uh, full treatment at the treatment work. Yeah. And uh, and so it's it's not actually creating a blockage at the present moment. Mm. It hasn't created a blockage to the extent that sewage can't flow through the system. Right. But it undoubtedly presents a significant risk to such a blockage mm. creep being formed. Uh, so that's why we're working hard to get it removed from the from the system, uh, particularly before the summer season, because oh, God, what is yeah. unusual about this is we, we think about other fatbergs, and as you rightly say, you think of them in London and yeah. other big cities. Mm. That's what's quite unusual here. It's right on the seafront, right, right by uh, a bathing beach. And, of course, uh, the summer season is so important to all of the communities mm. around the West Country that it's very important for us to get in and get this problem removed mm. before we uh, we get to that time of year. No, of course. And I'm, I'm told that there's quite high levels of hydrogen sulphide and methane uh, down there, which must make it quite a toxic and maybe dangerous uh, sort of place to be. Yeah, it is. It is a, a dangerous environment. So, uh, so far, uh, the guys who've gone down there uh, yesterday were in full breathing apparatus. Um, we are establishing um, a, a ventilation method that will help to reduce those levels. But certainly yesterday we had high levels of methane, low levels of oxygen. Yeah, it's not a good working environment yeah. at all. And do you have uh, to but, kind of, do you have to sort of dig it out or can you melt it? Can you do, because I mean, you know, if you ever make the mistake of putting fat down a, a, a sink, a kitchen sink, you know, you're told the best way to get rid of it is to put a load of detergent down in hot water and just wash it through. I mean, yeah. you can, presumably you're not doing just a big version of that, are you? Well, not particularly. Some of it will be a physical process of, of digging it out. Mm. But we also have some uh, a few big pieces of kit on the surface that have high-pressure jetting equipment. Yeah. And so we will use water jets to help to break it up and mobilize it so that the tankers uh, up on the surface can help to suck it out. Yeah. So that's that's the plan. And then where does it get taken to once they've taken it into the tankers? Where do they go and deposit it? Uh, so they will be going off to one of our local uh, treatment works where ultimately uh, there is some benefit comes from it. You can't take it over the channel, they... can you? Take it to Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can deal with it here. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> there is a benefit to it that um, we put it through are uh, anaerobic digesters and they uh, will generate power from the uh, from the fat in particular right. so, it sounds like so uh, it sounds like it. great sort of uh, pr production for a documentary crew to get down there and, and film it all uh yeah so uh we, we we have had a few people down here already today right um and uh that will be continuing to to happen and in actual fact uh we are working with the university of exeter uh, they are taking some samples away uh, for a full analysis mm. of what actually is in this uh, this fatberg, from right. counting how many wet wipes and sanitary products are yeah. in it, through right. to understanding the biology and the microplastics and uh, and the chemistry of it. I mean, what is wrong with people who are told repeatedly, you know, don't put certain things down the toilet, you know, don't put certain things down drains, and yet they continue to do it. I know in London, a lot of the problem is caused by a number of restaurants, for example, in the West End, who will take out all manner of sort of uh, cooking oils and various other things which they'll then just pour down the street uh, the street drain you know um but in a place like sidmouth which i presume is not particularly commercial you know this is all coming from domestic homes is it well um it is a combination of the two yeah. sidmouth is a is a holiday destination there are hotels and other commercial kitchens on the seafront and uh, so it is a combination of, of both things. So we've been working with the local community uh, down here. We had a pop-up shop that is there to help to inform people about uh, the sort of problems that are generated if people don't stick to what we would say uh, are the rules, which are the three Ps, P, paper, and poo, and anything else shouldn't end up down uh, the toilet or down the sink.
Right. Um, uh, so, so uh, yes, we try and help to educate and inform people about what that good practice looks like. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And how long is it taking for this thing to form? I mean, and, and do you give yourself another few years before you have to do this again? Yeah, so uh, it looks like it's... Uh, we, we inspect our sewers on a, a risk-based frequency. We have 17,000 kilometres of, uh, of sewer that we look after. Um, and so it looks like this has formed over the course of a year or so from the last inspection of this particular uh, asset. So um, it, it, it has formed quite quickly, is all I would say, more quickly than we would have anticipated. And it just will generate the need to make sure that uh, the frequency of those inspections is, is increased. And also we will continue to work very closely with the local community to try and change people's minds yeah. and perspectives about what they put down the toilet and down the sink. Exactly, because it has to go somewhere. Andrew, I don't envy you the task, but thank you very much for explaining it in a way which does not make me feel any more unwell than I already did. So well done. Andrew Rowntree there, Director of Water Waste Water Services at Southwest Water, who are masterminding the removal uh, of this giant fatberg uh, from Sidmouth. Horrible, isn't it? Ghastly. <laughs> Gotta wait for the next bit. This is great, isn't it? Even if nothing else in the show worked, which of course it all did, this is worth waiting for. Two hours and 45 minutes in, Cuba. I'm gonna tell you something about Cuba in a moment. Apparently, Camilla Parker Bowles doesn't like the food there. I wonder what else she doesn't like. Doesn't she like that tapas? Don't like the chicken much. Rice and beans, no thank you. Before we speak to uh, Philip Oppenheim, uh, who is, of course, uh, CEO and founder of Kubana, uh, let's have a quick word with Harry, who's in Portsmouth. He wants to talk about immigration. Hello, Harry. Oh, yes, hello, Mark. Uh, immigration and Brexit, quickly. Um, OK. Immigration, um, Sajid Javid was answering questions, and Lammy, David Lammy, oh, yeah. was moaning about the policy of these um, people, uh, you know, ex-cons being extradited. Right. And... Sajid Javid actually stated, and I remember this at the time because Labour was worried about immigration, mm. and Sajid Javid pointed out to David Lammy, who was a minister in the government at the time, that they brought in the law to ensure that foreign criminals, once released from jail, etc., were deported. So the policy that they're following is actually a Labour policy. Yes. Well, of course it is. There's absolutely no reason to think that, uh, you know, keeping uh, criminals who are from foreign countries in Britain after they've committed crimes is a good idea. It's a ridiculously bad idea, and we deport people all the time. This is getting uh, traction in the media only because it's a sort of Windrush-related problem, but it's actually nothing to do with Windrush. Yeah. Uh, can I talk about Brexit? Please, yeah. The Saturn, the Saturn V rocket, you'll be seeing that a few times because it's the anniversary of the moon landing. OK. When Kennedy said we're going to land a man on the moon, mm. they didn't all turn around and argue the toss and put obstacles in the way, which is what has been going on the last two and a half years because we've got a parliament packed with people who are thwarting the Brexit scheme. Yes, absolutely right. You know, look, this is this is the end game we are now entering, which is why everybody, is, as George Pascoe Watson said, everybody's getting so worked up about everything because they know that this is the last chance they've really got to stop it. And I'm not sure uh, that they don't actually believe that they can stop it anymore. I think they've now more or less given up. So the death throes, the death rattle uh, of the EU, as far as we're concerned, is going to be coming thick and fast, I would say. Yeah, Fortress Europe, a phrase that wasn't, hasn't been used apart from once or twice since the 90s. It's about a fortress. And what happens is when you try and leave the fortress, you become the enemy. And that's how the EU mm. is treating us. Yeah. They've sent out their attack dog, Tusk. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm not frightened of him. Thank you very much indeed, Harry, from Portsmouth, for your call. 0344 499 Let's talk about Cuba, because Philip Oppenheim runs a very fine establishment called Cubana, not a million miles away from our fine offices here uh, at Talk Radio Towers. Philip, very good afternoon to you. 
Hi, nice to speak to you. Yeah, nice to speak to you. Now, um, Camilla Parker Bowles is not often quoted directly about anything, really. So a lot of the time, we don't really know what she thinks. I know someone who knows her quite well, who says she's great fun at dinner parties uh, and is uh, quite filthy when it comes to telling jokes. However, uh, she's apparently come out and rather unwisely suggested ahead of a trip to Cuba that she's not very keen on the Cuban cuisine. Well, I mean, she's, she's right and wrong. I mean, the first thing is, you know, most people know Cuba has great cocktails and mojitos, which are now our yes. favourite cocktail in the UK, which we first bought over 21 years ago when no one had heard of them. Um, everyone knows they're great and you'll get lovely cocktails in Cuba. The food actually traditionally was, was quite good. Um, it's a big fertile island. It's got a thousand kilometres of coastline, line, so plenty of fish. And in the old days, it was known for the nice food, which was different from other Latin American food. And most, most Latin food is quite spicy and yeah. hot. But because the Cubans had a lot of land and a lot of mountains and a lot of sea, they had great ingredients, so they didn't have to cover it up with a lot of spices and chili. And they imported their cuisine from the Spanish colonists. There was a North African influence. Uh, the, the native Indians had um, uh, something called barbacoa, which is where we get the word barbecue yes. from. And there's a lot of really nice traditional dishes. But after the communists took over in 1960, kind of went downhill a bit. And then they had the special period after the fall of the Berlin Wall, where they were very, very short of everything. And Cuban cuisine went down. Um, it's, when we first went there in the 90s, we had to look for old sort of pre-revolutionary Cuban plantation cooks and very old cookbooks mm. we found in markets. Nowadays, it's liberalized a bit, and you can find some quite nice traditional food in a small private restaurant. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Now, I used to go to a Cuban place, and I can't remember, this sounds very pompous, but it's not meant to. I can't remember if it was in New York or London. But they used to do, it's the first place I remember tasting um, sort of what was effectively pulled pork, which is now kind of everywhere. Yeah. But the Cubans yeah. sort of invented that, didn't they? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, very, very slow roasted uh, free range pork is mm. something we do. It's something you find all over Cuba. It's absolutely beautiful. Very slow roasted, roasted free range pork. Um, it's then shredded, pulled as it's called, served with plantain black beans, um, rice, um, and it's absolutely delicious. We make it fresh twice a day. And it's a classic Cuban dish. And they've got other things like ropa vieja, which literally means old clothes. Right. It's a bit like a, a, an Italian ragu. It's very, very slow-cooked mm. flank of beef, boiled and then shredded and then recooked with vegetables and tomatoes, served with rice, plantain. Another great Cuban dish, all slow-cooked kitchen food, very healthy, very nice, and very tasty. No, good. And I'm looking at a piece of the Times, which also names a thing called uh, Rabo Encendido, uh, which is wine beret slow-roasted oxtail stew, which sounds delicious. Not one I've, I've tried, but I think a lot, a lot of people have been put off by going to Cuba. They don't know the, the, the good little independent private places to go. And a lot of people have gone to Miami, where, to be honest, it's not really Cuban food at all. It's right. dodgy and, and nothing like real Cuban mm. food. But you can find good Cuban food if, if the royals want to come to Cubana to acclimatise. They're very welcome. Well, I was going to say, you should be. this is your opportunity to sort of reach out to them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> may, not, may not be quite our typical demographic. But, but <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, if they don't like the food out there, they can dull the pain with a few mojitos. Which well, a, indeed. Food. Or a Cuba Libra, maybe. Or a Cuba Libra. It yeah, always takes exactly. me back to that great scene in The Godfather 2, uh, where Michael takes Fredo to uh, uh, to a place in Cuba for a, for a cocktail, and uh, Fredo says, "What's Cuban for uh, banana daiquiri?" And he goes, "Banana daiquiri." <laughs> <laughs> one of the great, or one of my top fifty movies. What a great movie! Oh yeah, and a great a great evocation of Cuba in the in the late fifties, early sixties. Absolutely. And so, uh, what's your kind of you know most popular dish that you serve? Do people tend to come for? Do you do small plates? Do you do kind of bigger things? What? We, we do tapas, um, and some of it is traditional Cuban. Some of it is a slight, you know, sort of crossover. We slightly develop them. So, you know, whereas in Cuba you might get croquettes, cheese croquettes with a bit of ham. Mm, we do nice. um, organic chorizo and sweet potato croquettes. Uh, we do do the small plate. That sounds good. And that we do the, really you know, the, the, the pork is the most popular, no question. Pork and mojitos, are the, the, the slow-roasted Cuban pork and mojitos are two most popular line. May have to send somebody down there to take some of that stuff away because we're all going to be yeah. stuck here for a while. But that sounds brilliant. And have you been to Cuba recently, Philip? What's it like there? I mean, there's a lot more holiday makers going there. And of course, it's opened up yeah. a bit more to the American market now as well, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've been going since the, the 90s. I must have been about 50 times. We've got a coffee business out there and ah. we do import some stuff from Cuba. Ste steadily, it's got more touristy. The Americans 
started coming in big numbers after Obama opened up, but then it's, that's all gone into reverse under Trump. But there always were Americans going there via Mexico or Canada, and it, it's touristy a bit more than it was, but if you, you know, go off the beaten track to the smaller towns, they're very beautiful. Cuba was a very wealthy country, so there's some lovely towns in the countryside in the far southeast places like Santiago. To yeah. The people are lovely. The countryside's nice. You can, if you know where to go, you can get good food. And there's always lovely fresh fruits if you go to the private farmer's market. So I'd say it's a fabulous place to visit, but don't go on a package. Don't go to Varadero and, and just stay in Havana or anything like that. Rent a car and drive around the countryside. You'll have a great time. And do they still have those lovely old cars? They do, yeah, mainly in the big towns. They're mainly used um, for short transport or you they're sometimes shared. They, they run along a route and you can just hold them and jump in with five or six other people, which is a great way to get around Havana. Um, they don't go much long distance. They're just not up to it. But, you know, you, you can rent kind of um, Japanese, Chinese, Korean cars. Yeah. It's a bit of a rip-off, but it's the only way to really get around. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the only country in the world that rips you off when you rent a car, would it? <laughs> I don't think so. That's the Cuban dog. Good I, think, I think I've been ripped off in many countries of the world from car rental companies. Yeah. But, Philip, thank you very much indeed. Philip Oppenheim, their CEO and founder of Cubana, uh, where I think I may have to go very soon because the food sounds fantastic there. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,